Welcome to Canine Nation. It's Tuesday, August 6th, 2019. This is episode 147. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Eric Brad. Just a couple of updates. As you might have noticed, I'll be moving to a Tuesday publication date for the podcast going forward, so you can expect the podcast to be uploaded on Tuesdays instead of Sundays. Also, a thank you and shout out to everyone who has supported us financially through donations on PayPal. You can find a link at the Canine Nation page if you want to help us out. Over the past few years, efforts have been increasing in many communities to ban the sale and use of electronic or shock collars and prong or pinch collars. Given how far dog training has progressed and the great information provided to us from behavioral science and learning theory, it just makes sense that we encourage society to move on from more outdated tools that use punishment as a means to teach our dogs. But in my view, the difficulty is that it's not just a simple matter of black and white. Dog owners who are using these tools have likely used them for years, if not decades. It's also very likely that these same people don't have the skills or even the awareness of more modern techniques for working with their dogs. I think that there is much more to do than simply removing these tools from store shelves. I think we have an opportunity to educate the dog-owning public and move them toward more humane means of training without sacrificing the ease and convenience of those outdated tools but it's a complex and nuanced issue. I wanted to take a look at it in more detail, and so I wrote some thoughts down in an essay that I called Dog Collars, The Shock and Prong War, An Opinion. If you own or have owned a dog, you have very likely used a collar on your dog at some point. They are convenient for attaching a leash for walking. They offer a method of control with your dog in public, and they make a convenient place to hang identification and license tags that are required by many communities. Collars are just a standard part of owning a dog for most of us. In recent years, two specialized kinds of dog collars have come under heavy criticism, and they are the subject of campaigns to ban their sale outright, the electronic or shock collar and the prong collar, sometimes called a pinch collar. Efforts are underway in several countries to restrict or ban the sale and use of electronic and prong collars. It's an attempt to move the dog-owning public to a more humane and scientifically appropriate way of working with dogs, while discouraging generations of outdated training methods and tools. I support and endorse these initiatives and those who promote them, but the efforts to ban these collars concern me for two reasons. First, they are divisive to the dog-owning community. People who have used these collars and are satisfied with the results that they have gotten don't want to be told what they can and cannot use to train their dogs. These collars are popular with some and have been available for decades. Removing them from dog owners who may not know how to work without them should not be taken lightly. And secondly, 
the campaigns tend to focus on the well-being of the individual dogs who wear these collars. They don't seem to take into account the larger community issues that will inevitably result from their sudden removal. If dog owners have been using these collars for decades, why are they now coming under so much criticism that their sale should be banned? The answer is simple. We now have effective training alternatives for dog owners that do not require causing discomfort or pain to the dog. The past 20 years or so has seen something of a revolution in the field of dog training. A combination of more modern training techniques based on behavioral science and an increase in research about dogs and their behavior has given dog owners a wide variety of new approaches for training and working with their dogs. These modern science-based approaches largely advocate for encouraging the behaviors we want from our dogs instead of using unpleasant actions to discourage the dog from doing anything other than what we are asking them to do. A defining characteristic of the electronic and prong collars is that they are designed to provide sensations to a dog that they will find uncomfortable enough to try and avoid. It's an approach to teaching a dog that begins with the premise, if you don't do what I ask, you won't like what happens next. In the past, these collars were considered innovative and effective tools, but the advancements in dog training technology have made them just one of many training techniques that dog owners can use to get the results that they're looking for. The difficulty here is that not all results are equal when it comes to our dogs and their behavior. Some approaches are less intrusive and more humane than others. Proponents for banning electronic and prong collars have one simple argument why these collars should not be used. Given the availability of highly effective alternatives, there is no reason to deliberately cause discomfort or pain to a dog in trying to teach them. It's a matter of being more humane to our dogs. It is, in my opinion, a very sound and reasonable argument. If there is a training method available for me to work with my dogs that does not risk them finding the experience unpleasant or uncomfortable, why would I not choose that approach? This is where the difficulty begins. It cannot be denied that dog owners have been using electronic and prong collars for many years. Sales and use of these collars would indicate that many people find them useful and are satisfied with the results they get in using them with their dogs. Estimates indicate that there are millions of these collars in use today. Generally, most dog owners will use whatever methods and tools have given them results in the past. There is no motivation to change if those results have been satisfactory. Even though dog training techniques have advanced significantly, the electronic and prong collars remain popular with some in the dog community. Efforts to ban these collars will necessarily upset people who have depended on them in working with their dogs. Wanting to make the world a more humane and pleasant place for dogs is a laudable and important goal. But if we could snap our fingers and make all of the electronic and prong collars disappear tomorrow, what would that world look like? Let's consider that for a moment. Imagine a sunny day in that ideal world that has no electronic and prong collars. Imagine a petite woman in her mid-forties is walking her 100-pound Rottweiler with some difficulty. She no longer uses a prong collar to manage her dog, and the dog is easily pulling her down the street as she struggles with her leash and flat collar. 
Another woman approaches ahead of her with a small toy poodle that immediately erupts in barking as it strains at the end of its leash and flat collar. And this is where the nightmare can begin. Having had the prong collar that she has depended on taken away from her, the woman cannot control her Rottweiler and loses control of the leash. The larger dog charges the barking poodle and its fearful owner. And in a matter of seconds, the two dogs scuffle and the small poodle lies dead with its neck snapped before the Rottweiler's owner can even get there to regain control of the leash. Not having a prong collar to manage her dog does not benefit anyone in this scenario, at least from the standpoint of the woman who owned the poodle. Is this an extreme example? Yes, but it's certainly in the realm of possibility. And this is just one of hundreds or perhaps thousands of potential scenarios. It's a simple fact that each year, millions of dogs are surrendered to shelters, the most common reason being unmanageable behavior problems. How many additional dogs would be surrendered if owners were not able to use familiar tools that are suddenly declared illegal? How would dog owners cope with the sudden loss of tools they have depended on to safely work with their dogs in public? It's an interesting question. While there is anecdotal evidence that many dogs are harmed or killed each year by electronic and prong collars, it's impossible to accurately estimate how many lives would be saved by banning these collars outright. Similarly, as in the example we just talked about, it's impossible to estimate how many dogs would be harmed or die as a result of a sudden and outright ban of these collars. It's common sense that as dog training technology advances, less humane tools and methods should be replaced by better, more humane approaches. But getting there is not just a simple matter of legislation. I believe it's a matter of education. The woman with the Rottweiler in our imagined scenario could have avoided that unpleasant confrontation had she been taught some alternative methods to work with her Rottweiler to manage or prevent its aggressive behavior. Banning the use of prong collars does nothing to provide those alternatives. It simply removes one tool that was useful to her. How beneficial would it have been for her if someone had offered her a free four-week course to help her learn and use new training skills with her dog if she agreed to surrender that prong collar at the completion of the course? Local governments should also have a vested interest in promoting public safety in the community. Providing funding for dog owner re-education programs would not only ease the transition from electronic and prong collars to more modern methods, it could reduce the incidence of dog aggression in the community and reduce the number of dogs ending up in community-funded shelters. Unfortunately, it takes time and effort to craft dog owner re-education programs and to lobby for funding of such programs. It's far easier to show horrifying pictures online to the public and lawmakers and then get them to pass laws to ban the sale and use of electronic and prong collars. But that, to me, is not a complete solution. My concern here is that these efforts to ban these collars, although well-intentioned, have the potential to create as many problems as they might solve if they are seen as a complete solution to the problem. A ban would address only one part of the larger problem of moving society toward more humane and effective dog training. It seems that the rest is being left up to individual dog professionals 
to take up the slack in educating the public, and also to deal with whatever fallout may result from this kind of banning legislation. In my view, there's an opportunity here. The issue of electronic and prong collars has been brought to the forefront. Using this opportunity to engage professional organizations for dog trainers like the APDT or the IAABC and others to develop dog owner programs for education and to lobby lawmakers to support these efforts seems like a logical, necessary, and complementary approach to advocating for the banning legislation. If dog professionals are truly concerned about a more humane world for dogs, I think we owe it to them to invest as much time and effort into teaching dog owners how to do better as we do into removing the outdated and unnecessary tools from the marketplace. If you enjoy these podcasts, why not drop by our website at caninenation.ca and you'll find dozens more to listen to. While you're at it, perhaps click on the donate button and offer us a dollar or five or whatever you'd like to give to help support the podcast and help us keep the lights on. Or you can support the podcast by spreading the word on social media or leaving us a review on iTunes. I'd love to hear feedback from you about the podcast. If you have any comments, stories, or questions, you can email me at talk2 at caninenation.ca. That's talk and the number two at caninenation.ca. I look forward to your comments. Canine Nation is also on Facebook. You can find our Canine Nation page where we post information about the latest articles, podcasts, and news about Canine Nation events. We also have a discussion group, the Canine Nation Forum. It's a place to discuss the podcast, the Canine Nation essays, life with dogs, and training our dogs, or just to share some information we found around the internet. Thank you for listening. I'd appreciate it if you'd share this with the dog people in your life. I guess that's all for now. Until next time, have fun with your dogs.